0: If you want to get involved, there are so many different ways for you to get involved.
1: Hi folks, and welcome to Humans of the Pro-Life Movement, an initiative of the Pro-Life Guys podcast where we feature the incredible women and men from across Canada and around the world who are making sacrifices of their time and energy and finances to serve freeborn children, to support families, and to transform our culture. And for the first time in a while, we are going south of the border. We are going away from the Canadian pro-life activists, and we are going all the way down to Florida. Jacinta, welcome to the show. How are you?
0: i'm good how are
1: you guys i am doing super well i'm so glad that you reached out to me and asked about being a guest on this show we're always looking for more people to be a part of the program because what we're trying to do is showcase who the pro-life movement is truly made up of the the mainstream media and whomever is putting out their their stereotypical pro-lifer and i'm hoping that we're kicking down some walls by showing who it is that is really involved in the pro-life movement and to kick us off, let's start off with a little bit about who you are. What makes you tick? Tell us a little bit about sure. yourself, Jacinta. <laughs> all
0: right. Thank you so much, Cam. I really appreciate it. Um, this is just an honor, honestly. I've been involved in the pro-life movement for upwards to 10 to 12 years. So um, I started when I was around 17. I said to myself, there's an initiative that I want to get involved with, and it's going to just be one thing, and I want to put all of my effort into it. Um, and ironically at 17, I knew exactly what I was going to be working with because a year prior at 16, I did not think the pro-life mission was going to be my focal point. Um, I am a Catholic, uh, by, um, birth. Uh, we're a very strong Catholic family, but I will be honest, at the age of 16, I was actually pro-choice. So like everybody, like their whole concept, when I tell anybody in the mission this, they're like, what? And I'm like, yes. So here's my spiel. I started college early. I was a dual enrolled. I was a bio major. I was going to be a doctor and I learned so much um, in science. Then I, I, I just knew that at four months in gestation, the baby was not a baby. That was my take on it. And so I was really, like, kind of frustrated that the church was all, like, you know, you can't do anything in terms of an abortion from this conception, you know, until birth. Like, from the point of conception until birth, just please don't touch the baby, right? And I was like, it's not a baby. It's a cell. I can tell you this. I have books, right? I have science behind me, right? I know this. So I was really frustrated by all the back and forth debates, and I said, you know what? I'm gonna do my own research. I'm gonna look into this, and I looked up, I actually looked up images of what very early term abortions look like, because I wanted to prove my point. I wanted to prove my case that if it's very, very early on, you're not doing anything wrong by having an abortion. Okay, so then science kind of slapped me back in the face, because number one, every human being develops differently, whether we like that or not, right? You have four-year-olds that are taller than other four-year-olds. You have five-year-olds that can speak better than other five-year-olds. Babies in gestation actually develop at slightly quicker, slightly slower rates, right? And what I found was what I did not want to find. I found a very early-term abortion where the baby looked like a baby. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> I said, man, this, this looks like a little human being that just was just demolished. And I said, that's, that's not right. And you know, at four months, it still looked like a little baby. I said something's very wrong with this. I cannot tell a mother when her baby looks like a baby. Like scientifically, I cannot tell her that. And then, why would that be the precursor that it looks like a baby that would grant it the dignity that should it, it should be allowed to continue on living? Right. A lot of things don't look, you know, like symmetrical human beings, right? If you're, um, if you're a stop. You you don't have your arms and legs. You don't technically look like a human being anymore. Does that negate you know your ability to live? So that's kind of when the wheels in my head started turning. And I realized that I could not honestly put a marker on when this entity had value and dignity. Um, and I got mad. I was like, this is insane. You know, for people that be out here lying to moms, telling them it's a blob of tissue, that they can do whatever they want with it. These mothers have no idea what their child looks like in utero. And they're not asked to. They're not given the opportunity to, to be curious about that. It's just, oh, if you don't want to get rid of it. So by 17, I said, okay, Jacinta, it's going to be something. got to think about something. And I ruled out a couple of other things. I said, I'm just going to do pro-life. But I didn't really know how to get involved. And that's kind of when I started touching base with different organizations and seeing their approaches. And I just, I opened myself up to an entire new world. <laughs> uh, there's a lot going on in this ministry, which is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much how this all got started. So.
1: Love it. I find that so cool on so many different levels that that idea of like, the number of people I've spoken to would be like, No, dude, I will pull out my science textbook, and I will show you that human life does not begin at fertilization. And then they do it. And they're like, Oh, whoops. Um, (laughs) The number of times I've referred to not only post secondary textbooks, but high school textbooks, or even middle school textbooks, when we talk about meiosis, and you pull out your pipe cleaners all over again. And yeah, you realize that, that, yeah, though they may not look necessarily like you and I at the first day of fertilization as a human <laughs> zygote or an early embryo, uh, as we often talk about, obviously, on the Pro-Life Guys podcast, asking the question of why. Why don't they look like you or I? Why aren't they able to do what you and I right. can do? It's because of how old they are. And so abortion is age-based discrimination. And I love how, with that information, you didn't, like – Skulk off to your corner and be like, oh, whatever. Like it's probably a religious textbook or something like that. Like, like to to take that and say, At 17, I want to do something. I want to do something that's going to make a difference. I think that's incredible. And I'd love to dive into a little bit more of what you found. As you mentioned, there's so many different pro-life entities. There's so many different initiatives and perspectives on how to quote unquote fix the problem. And in chatting with you before we started recording, one of your great passions is kind of drawing not only groups together, but trying to help people find where their sweet spot is and and less of the, this is the only thing that's effective, everyone should stop doing everything else and start doing this, but rather find your passion, find where your abilities are most needed and most relevant. Let's talk a little bit about what you found from your different research and involvement with different groups a little bit.
0: Okay, absolutely. So um, I was first introduced to an approach to how to uh, speak to people regarding abortion uh, very, um, I would say, aggressively. I was at FIU and uh, Center for Bioethical Reform was coming with the GAP Project. And so they're coming with the big billboards and all that. And they really went home on the on the hard parts of what abortion is. And I um, that was an approach that i'd never seen before uh usually i was introduced to dialogues about abortion especially from a religious context you know being a catholic talking to a protestant who was in favor of abortion how do we go about this and talk about it from a religious perspective theirs was very image-based and um but at the same time it kind of it resonated with me unfortunately it didn't resonate with a lot of students to some capacity because it's a sensitive topic but from a scientific perspective they broke down um, the components of the DNA of the baby and how this was also a way to support their position that it looks like a life now. And at the points where it doesn't look like a life, let's let's unpack what life actually entails from a very platonic perspective, like no religion, no philosophy involved, just bare bones, flesh, what's there. And so the, the, the embryo had its own unique DNA, right? So that really resonated with me. And so what I learned from them, even though it was very strong and rigorous and and graphic, was that educating people on what was going on was actually going to open the minds of of the public. And so I remember they came for a weekend. They did a talk to students that wanted to help them out on Saturday. And then on Sunday, they they did the whole like gap project. Are, I was. I think it was maybe Sunday and then Monday because there were more students on campus. Um, but so the following day, I wanted to help out, and so I'm passing out flyers. I'm like, this is this is great. Like this this works with me. I know how to um, help people kind of understand why this is significant because I'm going to explain it to them from a contextual standpoint of this is what's actually happening. Like I know maybe you have your own opinion about it. Maybe you think that it's the responsibility of the mom to make a choice versus what she wants to do with her own body. But this is what's occurring. Are you okay with that, right? So that approach really, really worked well with me. And then when I left FIU, I learned about kind of the more political way to get involved. So currently, I'm on the board with Florida Right to Life. I'm their millennial coordinator. Yeah, it's really great. Um they're so awesome oh my goodness they are so cool and they're so embedded um from the political standpoint they know the legislators they know the politicians that are really gonna back up the pro-life initiative and they've been holding like the pro-life cause in florida by the reins like oh my goodness i mean look no perspectively though i think this is important because what people don't understand about florida and why we really have had a hard time gaining traction in the pro-life movement is because Florida is a tourist state and people from Georgia and Alabama and Louisiana where things have gotten incredibly pro-life, they come down here to get abortions, right? I've met people from Georgia that come to Jacksonville to get abortions. So Jacksonville, Orlando and Miami are hot spots for abortions and Jacksonville alone. We have four abortion clinics, right? Which is insane. Why do you need four clinics? Right? Well, it's happening and a lot of people are in favor of it and you could cut us in half, you know, with a knife, with, with the amount of people that are in favor of it versus people that are, that are you know, opposed to it. So it's not that there's no pro-life activity going on legislatively here in the state is that it is a split down the middle as to which way we're going to go. And so nothing moves. Right. So, but we have had huge, like wins. Um, In the state of Florida, up until last year, January, it was okay for a minor to get an abortion if she let her parents know that she was going to get it. She did not have to get the parents' consent to have the abortion. All they had to do was mail out a little postcard to the parents saying, this girl's going to go get an abortion, right? Mind you, that minor cannot get medication at her high school without the approval of the mom. She cannot get her ears pierced without the approval of mom or dad. She can't get a tattoo. She can't get a driver's license. But she can stop an entire biological process in her body by the help of a physician that her parents have never once met, okay, legally in the state of, of, of Florida, right, with this law. So I was actually at the hearing in Tallahassee where we discussed why this was ridiculous. And I was so happy that so many parents came out and they, they were like, no, you're not going to let my kid go up there and do X, Y, Z. Because honestly, even for pro-choice people, this is not, Th- th- this is not a safe law, you know, where your child can just go around you and do whatever they want to. I mean, what el- what what else can that doctor offer that girl, you know? And all they need is a sticky note. Like, that's ridiculous. So we did win that case. So now it is illegal for a minor to get an abortion without the consent of a parent. So that was really great. Um, and Florida Ride to Life is just on point with this. Like, they are... They are just—they're beasts. Like they—they they don't let anything slip underneath them. They are awesome. So that's kind of the political approach, and i, I think it's really good. Um, with regards to incorporating students with that, which I have introduced them to students for life, and we've—we've we've networked, which is really awesome. Um, students need to understand the matrix of the political uh, process of getting um, good laws for babies put in place. And so uh, I've been learning how to do that with them and it's it's been fun but it's it's a lot of work and trying to help other students understand that but um it's coming together like even with students for life they have a political chapter now so um that aspect of the pro-life battle amongst our younger people is really is taking win so that's awesome
1: that's fantastic. And I think that that you hit on so many essential points there that that trying to get people connected with what's gonna resonate with them and how they can use their skills to resonate with others, right? That obviously as an organization right. I work for, we we use abortion victim photography as well. And like you said, this is a very kind of cut and dry <laughs> um exploration of yeah. of what abortion is doing and and anchoring the conversation around the humanity of the pre-born, political ends do I blame politicians for not bringing abortion victim photography up on the stand with them? No, that that's absolutely not an appropriate right. setting to develop um, pro-life legislation in a lot of places, right? I mean, maybe that works in some places, but most of the places that I've been, that's probably not going to be a productive end. And so I think you hit the nail on the head that we need to look at what is the need and what are we most capable of doing? I think that's phenomenal. And with that then so you said that you've been involved with the pro-life movement for around i don't know 10 years now since you were a teenager and and that has probably taken you through countless different rallies and meetings like like you've mentioned i'm wondering if there's any a couple of memorable experiences maybe maybe a a meeting or rally or an event that you were at that really stands out in your mind as one of the most memorable experiences you've been a part of
0: sure absolutely um a few come to mind um and I'm going to go back to Miami. <clears throat> Miami is amazing for pro-life activity, uh, contrary to popular belief. Um, and it's, it's funny at how that's kind of where all of this got started. Because the, the mindset of Miami is promiscuous, city, right? It's like, do whatever you want with your body. Do, have, have fun. Go and live your life, right? But after so much time engaging in that mindset, you kind of are like, this doesn't really work. You know, I kind of don't want, you know, my guy cheating on me. I really don't like my girl leaving the house at midnight, you know. So Miami's a mindset at some capacity. Um, but people are strong and people love and people have desires for families and people care. And I I was really impacted by one encounter for a a couple that came up to me while I was helping CBR I was helping them pass out flyers and it was a young couple they were college students and um right out the bat the girl was like you know I just feel like this is a bit extra like I think this is a bit much I understand abortion is sad um but does it really need to be positioned this way you know I mean you're calling it like a holocaust and I just don't feel like that's that's proper appropriate And I said, well, if you think about it in terms of how many times this happens a day, you're looking at roughly 3,000 babies a day, you know, is that good? And she was like, well, you know, I guess not. And so her boyfriend, her boyfriend comes in and is like, you know, well, what about in cases of rape or incest? Like, what if the woman is raped? Don't you still want the law to be there? Like, yes, we don't want this to happen so many times. But isn't it our responsibility to make sure that the law is there just in case this happened, you know, to this this girl. And I didn't have to say anything. She immediately looked over at him and said, I'm keeping my baby. And I was like, Whoa! <laughs> and he kind of looked at her like, Really? <laughs> like, if this actually happened, you would keep the baby. And that always stuck with me because I think what happened um when that argument is presented is that immediately you start thinking that this is the rapist's child, right? You forget that it's her kid too. Nobody talks about it from that perspective. And there's a lot of crisscrossing of logic in the in the pro-life debate, uh, especially from the pro-choice perspective. It's not the father's baby until it's the rapist that's involved. Now it's the father's baby alone, right? So this disingenuine means of communication causes a lot of problems. And I think we actually have to do a lot of listening, right? So what was she telling me? She was saying that, yes, that was a hard circumstance. I did not want that to happen. But the kid is here and the kid is mine too. So I was really appreciative of the fact that that maternal instinct is there. And as pro-lifers, we have to take advantage of that. You know, moms want to protect their kid. Um, another huge memorable experience of mine was when we were at March for Life. So we had a bunch of kids come from Naples, Florida, and um, from Jacksonville, or Orlando, and we were at the March for Life. And it's always great taking teens. Like, they, <clears throat> they are just, they're so overwhelmed by how many people are in this and want this to change. Like, they are just blown away because we don't get that support in the media. Um... And so one of the girls was pregnant and nobody knew and she you knows she's out there. She's walking around, you know, around the Capitol and up to the Supreme court and nobody knows, you know, and, um, <clears throat> as time went on, she, she went to one of the, um, chauffeurs like one of our, um, our team leads and was just like, you know, I gotta make a decision, you know? And, um, they're like, you know, we're here because of these situations. That's why all of these people, all of these people came out, took leave, stopped working, made plans, okay? They they fled from California, Texas, Florida, all the way to D.C. to show support for what's inside of you right now, okay? It is not a little, little thing. It's not a little matter. It's a little thing, but it's not a little matter. and. She was like, I'm going to do it, you know, and that just like it brings tears to my eyes now. It's like that support, that support is what they need, you know, and they're just getting lied to like crazy. But if the community shows that support, they're going to they're going to be strong and they're going to say, you know what? I'm going to keep the baby. I'm going to keep my baby. That's what they're going to do. It's just it's natural to do that, you know. So um <clears throat> that was really big. And the last one I want to mention take the opportunity to throw it out there in DC on 2016 when um the blizzard came, right? So the huge blizzard in DC, um our numbers weren't as great that year because obviously there's a snowstorm, right? But there were still tons of people walking around uh during the march. I, Florida girl, I couldn't stay in the weather, <laughs> okay, so I had to come back in early, because I was cold, and they're like, if you start, and they, all the Floridian kids were told this, if you start feeling like your fingers and toes are going numb, you need to go back inside, I know you want to be out here, but go back inside, because it's going to be a problem having to take you guys to the hospital, if you get hypothermia. so I was like, whatever, I'm just going to be that person, I'm going to go back, right, so I went back, and I'm at the hotel, and I'm watching the news, I'm watching the world news, okay, They did not talk about the march. They did not talk about the march. They mentioned the march that many times, that many times. What in the world? There are 300,000 people walking around the White House right now. And it got absolutely no coverage. When I come back to Florida, I'm watching, like, the news again. And it's kind of a recap. So they, like, they they say, you know, oh, and then, you know, this weekend, you know, we had the pro-life, you know, movement and, uh... And breaking news, you know, Justin Bieber, XYZ, right? So I'm like, okay. They mentioned the words pro-life movement march, right? So this is this is progress. And I feel like a few days later, I watched a segment on Earth Day, okay, Earth Day, and they said this. They said, we are so happy that 300 people came out to show their respect for Mother Earth on Earth Day, and they were going on about this for like five minutes, and I said to myself. There's a football stadium full of people walking around the White House, and it gets absolutely no coverage. And then 300 people show up to hug a tree, and they get five minutes of coverage on the world news. I said, wow. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is the game they want to play? Okay, I get it. We got a problem, guys. If they're If they're literally, I mean, that to me shows two things. It shows, number one, that they are afraid. You do not talk about Earth Day for a longer period of time than a football stadium of people walking around the White House if there is not something that you're trying to hide. And number two, um, I think they're really taking advantage of their resource, that they have the confidence of the American people that what they show is actually what's happening. And a lot of times it is, but a lot of times it's not. And I I, I. Had I not seen that, I probably would have been a little bit more skeptical about people saying, oh, you know, the media is against us. No, that was just in my face. I'm there. I'm in D.C. I just left the march. This should be on the world news. This is the largest march in the human history of the United States of America. At our Capitol. Absolute zero coverage. It was just I was embarrassed by our media. I was embarrassed. This is ridiculous. But yeah, those, those are really the three that come to mind right now. So.
1: Love it. And and I think that's so cool how the three of those, in my opinion, build together into the point that you were making earlier about the the different, not only roles, but different needs that we have in the pro-life movement, right? That, that we obviously yeah. need more people work, working full-time in the pro-life movement, doing political stuff, doing educational stuff, doing pastoral stuff. But guess what? We need pro-life people working in the media. We need pro-life people working in business. We need pro-life people working in all of these different areas.
0: Absolutely.
1: Pro-life stuff isn't just a separate thing that you either do as a hobby or that hobby becomes your profession. It's something that should steep whatever stage of life you're in, whatever season of life you're in. This is something that should impact whatever it is that you're doing. And so I I think that that's so cool how you mention it that way. (laughs) And I think that that brings us home to this last point of words of encouragement, words of empowerment, or maybe even suggestions for how people can get involved. You mentioned that you're on the board of Florida Right to Life. You mentioned that you've done work with CBR and Students for Life. How can people get involved and why should people get involved in your words?
0: Okay, absolutely. So why should people get involved? Um, It is a personal decision, but at the same time, it takes a community to raise a child. And... The community right now is saying that children are not our priority. Any community that says the kid is not our priority is a community that is not standing on solid ground, and it will fall. Most civilizations that take a negative approach towards their young they don't last more than two hundred years. So they they have to take uh, they need to recognize the importance of the preborn in our community. But it is a personal decision because. It involves your willingness to help. Um, This is not an easy fight. And um, making sure that your contribution is something that you're going to be proud of, I think, is essential. And that's why you want to find your niche. So if you you enjoy speaking to young mothers, please, (laughs) by all means, volunteer at a local crisis pregnancy center and be there. They want to talk to you especially a mother with experience or a mother that's been in a similar situation or even a post-abort mother. If, if you have an angle that you can bring, um, an offer to these young mothers in crisis, that that would mean the world to them. Um, and even if you don't, if you're just a friend, if you just want to be there. If you just want to help that girl know that she's not alone, that will be a huge help to them. Um, if you want to take it more from the educational approach, There are a plethora of organizations that do nothing but share information on why it's critical to protect the unborn. If you literally go to Wikipedia and type in pro-life organization, you will get a hundred different listings. I know this. I've emailed every single one of them. And um, they will be happy to grant you with resources to distribute in your community to talk about this in more detail. If you're looking to get politically involved, there are national uh, chapters that have Um, sub chapters throughout the states and right to life will be one of them. So there's a Florida right to life. There's a Georgia right to life. There's a, you know, Philadelphia right to life. Pretty much every state has a right to life uh, chapter. And so if you want to get involved um, in that aspect, you know, there is certainly one in your area that you can connect with, I'm sure. Um, And then from students for, for student activism, students for life is just amazing. They have chapters that most, if not all major universities and at sub-universities, community universities, community colleges. And if they don't have a chapter, guess what? You can start one. They will help you build a chapter at your local school. So um, there's no excuse. (laughs) If you want to get involved, there are so many different ways for you to get involved and your, you know, personality, your, um, your niche is, is available to you. We are coming at this from so many different angles, whether it's radio Podcast, media, politics, student outreach, pastoral care, baby drives, bottle drives, um, <laughs> handing out flyers at the street corner. <laughs> yeah there's everything. Okay, you can do it in so many different ways. You know, life chain. You know, they just stand outside and just hold hands so that people driving by can see people standing up, holding hands, showing support for for, for mothers in crisis, asking them to keep their child. These things help. They make a difference. And um, so, if you want to get involved, please take take advantage of one of those.
1: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that's a great way to end it, that regardless of the stage of life, the season of life that you're in, regardless of your skill set, there's a home for you in the pro-life movement. We did an episode on this, the pro-life guys. We did. Um, there's a home for you in the pro-life movement. I don't know. It was like two months ago from the time of um, posting this. Um, and so check that out. Thank you, Jacinta, so, so much for making the time and joining me today on the podcast.
0: Absolutely, Cameron. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. And so for those of you who are tuning in, if this is your first time tuning in, welcome. If you have tuned in before, welcome to you as well. Want to encourage you to check out our other content. Not only our other Humans of the Pro-Life Movement interviews that we post um, basically every single Thursday, check on our flagship um, program, the Pro-Life Guys podcast. We post new episodes every Tuesday, um, often focused around apologetics and how to have better conversations. We also do a news program once a month called The Pulse. You can check that out as well. Find us on YouTube, Pro Life Guys Podcast. Find us um, on your favorite podcast catcher, wherever you're listening to this podcast, or go to our website, prolifeguys.com. You can also become a financial partner of the program and help us reach even more people with these tools that they need um, through our Patreon account, patreon.com/slash/prolifeguys. Thanks a ton. Hope you will tune in again soon. Okay, bye.